Welcome to Sharing Plate, a podcast all about food and the role it plays in our sense of self, our sense of place, and of course, our sense of taste. I remember picking tomatoes from the garden and just bite into them, and it was so sweet and juicy. I'm Laura Bishop, and I'll be hosting guests from around the world as they share their plates that connect them to home, wherever that may be. The rhythm of the city is is quite different than in London. To their people, whoever they are, and to their own special memories. All my memories around food are from my mum. This is a foodie's journey that transcends generations and nations. She has 20 uh, olive trees. She makes her own jams. So please, come sit with us as we serve up recipes and stories. Every time we went back to visit my mum, you just sit down and you drink lots of wine. And I think it's one of the tricks to get you to talk. I'm really, really looking forward to today's episode and having this conversation with you. So I'm going to hand over to you, ask you to introduce yourself. Well, the feeling is absolutely mutual, so I thank you for that. Oh, to um, my pleasure. My name is George Shaheen. I'm a Syrian queer refugee in London. been living here for four years. Uh, I work in higher education and venturing into performance. And let's dive straight on. What's your first dish? It's called kusa ablama blaban. Um, kusa means uh, courgettes. So these are baby courgettes. And laban means uh, yogurt. Uh, so this is uh, basically a, a delicacy that we have on special occasions, especially uh, at the New Year's. Because there's a, a saying in Arabic, like you need to eat something or to have something white so your year is as clear as snow, for instance. Okay. Um, so the, the recipe starts by getting those small uh, baby courgettes. Uh, you haul them, uh, deep fry them in oil and leave them to the side. And then you will need to actually stuff them. Uh, the stuffing is minced lamb with uh, uh, pine nuts. Uh, of course, you start, it's a very basic kind of thing we have in Syria where you start by sauteing the onion. That's a, that's a given at, with every recipe. You start by sautéing the onion. Most of the time it is with ghee. Uh, you add the lamb, and once the lamb is cooked, you start adding all the spices. There is something that we buy in, in uh, markets, spice markets. There's a mix, they call it seven spice. Um, they, I, can, I can find them for you. I think I noted them down. So the seven spice mix, it has allspice, black pepper, cinnamon, uh, ground cloves, coriander, cumin, and nutmeg. Um, so you add this to the meat, uh, and in the, on another pan you uh, sauté the uh, pine nuts. You mix them together, let it cool a bit, um, and then you stuff the uh, baby courgettes, the half-cooked baby courgettes. Um, in the meantime, um, uh, you start cooking the uh, yogurt, but the yogurt is usually with, uh, is goat milk yogurt, so it doesn't split when you cook it. Um, and the memories that come through with this uh, recipe... Who have you eaten this recipe with? Absolutely, my mum. Yeah. Um, so my, my mum uh, lives between the city and the uh, countryside. Uh, when she goes to the countryside, um, she makes lots of different... I, would, I wouldn't say dishes, but she prepares some stuff for the winter. Um, and she has uh, different people that she's in contact with, let's say the milkman, uh, comes at a certain time, um, and we all have to be very prepared for him to come in. 
Um, so when, when he's in, she gets the uh, unpasteurized milk and she pasteurizes it herself and she makes yogurt. Um, and we all have to be on uh, standby. Are you all the helpers? We all have to yeah. be the helpers. It's like all hands on deck. <laughs> right, because today we're making yogurt. It's not like you get one litre, you get Gal ten yeah, gallons. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure how, how much, but yes, you dip them into big, oh. um, decant them into like big saucepans. This sounds like my ideal day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she had her own starter, yogurt starter, that continued with her for years. And she's so proud of it. Um, so she would make her own yogurt one day, then let's say a couple of weeks later when the yogurt is uh, fermented enough um, and it's quite sour, she makes this, this dish. So the, the uh, yogurt is boiled and then you add the zucchini, stuffed zucchini uh, into the yogurt. You cook it for like another five minutes and it is usually served on top of rice, uh, the Syrian rice, um, which is usually ghee. Um, you sauté the uh, uh, soaked rice for a while um, and just vegetable stock, basically, it's or chicken stock. sounds delicious and it's the spices that bring this food to life for me. I can almost taste <laughs> the flavours, the lamb, the spice, the yoghurt. And so you'd always make that around New Year and would you have that as a family or...? It's almost always as a family when my mum cooks something special like this, of course, the family is invited. And uh, most of the conversations that we have with my mum is around the uh, dinner table or while she's preparing food. And it's not like she's preparing food by herself. What happens, she has in the kitchen a, a, like an informal dining setting where she gives you a glass of wine, uh, puts some stuff for you either to chop up or if she's making... Uh, bread uh, on the weekend she gives you the, the dough so you can knead and um, it's like a therapy session it's like a, a counseling session over a glass of wine absolutely amazing absolutely these are like my fondest memories of me going to visit my mom because i left home <clears throat> when i was 17 and every time we uh, went back my me and my brother and my sister every time we went back to visit my mom it was always around food um, and it was always around the informal dining place because, you know, you just sit down and you drink lots of wine. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the tricks to get you to talk. Yes. She wants to know everything, what's <laughs> going on. in <laughs> Just get a couple of glasses of wine and then you tell yeah. her everything. Um, yeah. Tell me about the wine in Syria. Um, uh, wine in Syria is quite nice. Um, Red we, wine we have, or both? Uh, for me, I prefer the, uh, the red that yeah. they make. Um, and I have a funny story of that. Uh, when, when I was uh, 17, turning into 18, uh, my father surprised me. Um, he has a vineyard. Um, and he... Hang on, so mom cooks and sits you around the table. Dad's got a vineyard. Oh, heaven. Um, so when I turned 18, and it was, let's say, legal for me to drink wine, uh, my father surprised me uh, by taking me to the vineyard to show me that he has actually made uh, a batch from his own vineyard, uh, named it after me. Uh, it was like the most disgusting wine ever. Hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, it's, but it's amazing. what a lovely thing to do. Yeah. That was delicious dish, lovely wine, great conversation. Where are we going next? Uh, the next one, last month, um, I got this flashback of, memories and uh, places that I had completely forgotten. 
a new colleague of mine started working with us um, and we were complaining about the weather. This is the previous uh, heat wave that we had here you in London. You were complaining about the weather in England? I yeah, mean... I'm so, so ashamed to actually say that. I'm a mid Middle Eastern person complaining about 30 degrees <laughs> in London. Um, and I was telling her, oh my God, I, I just cannot take this How heat. How hot does it get I'm in Middle Syria? Eastern. It gets to 34, but it's a dry heat yeah, rather than... Yeah, the humidity, humidity. kills it. Uh, so when I mentioned that I'm Middle Eastern, she asked me where I was from. Uh, she's Lebanese. And the first question that she asked me, when was the last time you had nluhiya, which is the next dish? Ah. Um, and I said, I haven't had it since I left Syria, since 10 years. Um, she brought me uh, like two huge packets uh, each one, I don't know, like two and a half kilos. And this is a, a lifetime supply of this herb, let's say. Uh, it has another name. It's called jute leaves or juice meadows. What um, a lovely gift. It's such an amazing gift. And now because I'm vegan, I had to recreate the recipe in a vegan way that I can actually eat. Um, but I'm, I'm, I will talk about the recipe that my mum uh, used to make. Um, so basically, mluhia is like a very pungent, uh, green, leafy uh, vegetables, if you want. So when you pick the leaves, you have to dry them. You can never cook them when they're fresh. Once they're dry, uh, you start the process of cooking them. And even when you want to cook them after you dry them, you have to go through the process of rehydrating them with water and washing the water uh, uh, off a few times. Because it's quite, if you cook it the wrong way, the, the sauce could be a bit slimy. So once this is done, um, you soak them in water to get them a bit soft. And the same thing, you saute the onion, usually with ghee. Um, and you basically add the coriander and garlic. Then you add mluhiya, the leaves. Um, and you cook it for a bit. Um, and you add chicken broth. Um, which usually my mom actually makes herself. Uh, she usually uh, sautéed chicken thighs. The only time that I saw chicken broth being made by starting by sautéing the, the chicken was basically with my mom. Uh, she thinks that this will add different layers to the, to the broth itself. It sounds like it definitely will. If you're putting that much depth of flavour into, that's the labour of, of love to get a yeah. delicious broth. Yeah. Um, so she does this, uh, adds the broth into the, uh, uh, the here, and then she shreds the chicken pieces. She adds them on top, and of course you have it with always with rice. You mentioned earlier that there were some memories that it took you back to that you'd almost forgotten. Uh, basically, uh, in my mum's countryside house, uh, the basement is the size of the house itself. Um, and the front of the basement, um, it's quite elevated, so you have windows uh, with sun uh, coming in. By the back, you have four different rooms, and each room has different type of light and different type of um, temperature, uh, and they're very controlled. Are they all for p preparing food? Yes. In the front, of course, this is the cooking station if you need to make something. Like, uh, for instance, I, ne I was never allowed to have... Um, ketchup outside of home and she used to make her own uh, did she make her tomato, own ketchup tomato sauce I, yeah. I cannot call it ketchup and now I can never take I, I, I cannot even look at ketchup I found it quite uh, disgusting so the place that I went to immediately when I when I cooked this mtuchia here in London is that basement oh, 
this is it's literally like heaven in the house. It's it's against her uh, belief to eat anything outside of its season unless you actually freeze it. In the country house, did she have a big garden that she grew a lot of the things in as well? Uh, she called it a garden, but for me, I think it's more of a farm. <laughs> she has everything. Was it huge? In it. She has um, around twenty uh, olive trees. Um, Does she make her own olive oil? She makes her own olive oil. So uh, when when I said that she has her contacts in the countryside, there is yeah. like a small place where they still actually press the olives uh, in cold stone, uh, where you have the f first basically I'm cold press. I'm obsessed with first press olive oil. Olive oil for me is, give me the olive oil. So yes, she makes her own uh, olive oil. She makes her own jams. Uh, she has a couple of trees, uh, uh, apricot trees. She makes the most amazing apricot jam. Um, she also strawberries, but all the, the seasonal kind of uh, fruits and vegetables, she uh, plants them in like, uh, big pots um, in front of the garden um, and of course uh, my mum and my dad their bedroom is on the third floor uh, so at 3 4 a.m. in the morning uh, they wake up and they go down running to the uh, garden say like I have to pick everything that's actually ripe before the other one gets it so he's got they're, both obsessed. they're both obsessed with food yes <laughs> Uh, when I was studying in New York, went back, every time I went back to visit them... Um, Did you go to university in New York yes. then? Yes. Um, every time I went back to, to visit them, um, you'd wake up to the uh, smell of aubergine, fried aubergine and fried potatoes with some sort of a garlicky sauce on top or some sort of falafel that my mum made with all the salads. All the salads are actually from the garden. Amazing. Uh, the aubergine and the potatoes are from the garden as well. Um, and tomatoes, I remember picking tomatoes from the garden and just biting them, oh. bite into them. And it was so sweet and juicy. And it's just something about a huge juicy tomato with olive oil, salt and pepper. And nothing. And That's nothing all what you That's need. That's exactly. Just delicious, delicious memories. So you mentioned New York there. What were you studying? I was studying architecture in New York. Um, I never practiced architecture uh, after I left my, my parents' home. And of course, my dad is an architect and he wanted me, oh, my brother an and my okay. sister to study architecture, but neither one of us is actually practicing architecture. How the was the food from New York, from Syria <laughs> to New York? Uh, I think... Um, the food in New York, it's, it's quite a journey. It depends on which area you are in. Um, and of course, it was quite uh, shocking for me when you see f a huge falafel store in New York and you pay a huge amount of money for something that we get as yeah. uh, street food, street food. In, in Syria. And also, it uh, depends. Like for, for us, we were living in downtown, uh, so we would have lots of Asian uh, food. Um, and also uh, uh, lots of Lebanese. Uh, but when you go to Chinatown, it's a completely different thing. When you go to Tribeca, it's a, another thing. The meatpacking district is also a completely different thing. It's quite mixed. I love New York. It was a great food scene there, but I can just imagine 
you know, you're coming from Syria where everything is grown at home and cooked at home and then you're going to New York. It's a concrete jungle, essentially. It is. You know? And this is when I actually rebelled. So this is when I said... Did you I, go for the burger? I went for everything <laughs> that's completely processed. <laughs> I didn't you like, give me tomato ketchup on every meal. <laughs> I never liked you it. You didn't like no. it. Okay. <laughs> I tried. It just didn't... I mean, America's a great place to go for super processed food. Yeah, I mean, everything you buy what from the supermarket. What was your guilty pleasure? Uh, hot dogs. Um, <laughs> from the street especially vendors in From New York. the street vendors, especially when you go out drinking after a long night yeah, of drinking. Of that's the only thing that you can find. Yeah. Uh, that's very accessible and you, cannot, you don't need to go into, you know, ordering stuff or to talking to anybody. It's just there. That's the only thing that they have. That's the only thing that they're selling. So just get it and eat it. With, of course, lots of onion, mustard and... So moving on from junk food of America, <laughs> um, where are we going next? Um, the next dish is uh, something that I make quite often here in, in London. Um, and the memories of it um, also like takes me to different places and different times in, in, uh, that, from my life back in, in Syria. It's called Dristaye, which is um, kind of a in between a soup and a, um, I would say a stew. Is it a comfort food? It is very much of a comfort for, for me. Um, how you do it is basically just dump lots of things in a, in a pot. What I usually do is charred leaves uh, with onion, garlic, chopped up really fine, um, uh, cook them with uh, brown lentils until they are soft and tender. Uh, now, the memory that comes with this, um, when my mum makes it, uh, she makes a dough, um, a very simple one, which is uh, basically just water, flour and some salt. Um, and while you're sitting on the, on the table and she's doing something else, maybe chopping the, the chard or chopping the onion, I'll be kneading the, the, uh, the dough. And of course, she rolls it really, really thin some sort of a pasta, let's say, with lots of flour, and then she adds it to the, to the soup when she, uh, let's say, cuts it really fine, long strips. Um, of course, when I make it over here, I just use pasta. Um, it's easier and quicker. Yeah. Um, but it was always super therapeutic. That would not have been allowed back at home, I bet. No, <laughs> she would never let you in a way. I bet her recipe books are amazing. They are. Uh, when she writes her own recipes, sometimes she doesn't even put the amount. She says, she you can knows. smell it. Yeah. It depends on the smell. That's and sometimes, the like, if I'm. Cook. When, when I cook something for her, she would say, like, yeah, it needs a bit more pepper from a distance. Like, you didn't even taste it. She has this, this ability. She's a really good cook. Do you miss Damascus? Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a great city. I miss the food. Absolutely. It's quite difficult, especially uh, from my mum's house. I remember when you go uh, to the old streets of the city, you would smell uh, jasmine. Uh, the smell of it is so strong. Um, and I'm not sure if you know the, architect the old architecture of, of Damascus houses. I've, I've seen photos. It looks absolutely stunning. The yeah. courtyard. Yeah. So basically in each courtyard, you will have at least one jasmine tree or bush and at least one uh, citrus tree. Most of the time it is either bergamot or um, orange. So the smell of orange blossom with jasmine blossom. And of course, everyone is drinking Syrian coffee that has lots of cardamom in it. 
and this music that plays in the background, a very a famous singer called Fayrouz, and basically she is played every, almost every house in the morning while you're drinking your, your morning coffee. coffee. Sitting by your jasmine tree or your orange tree or your ah. And of course, all in summer, especially in the courtyard, uh, you will have a fountain and the fountain is always running. And to keep all the fruits cold, instead of putting them in the fridge, you would put them in the water. Oh, so when okay. instead of snacking on stuff like sweets and desserts, and you just go to the fountain and you pick a fruit and eat it. And I think the, the rhythm of the city is, is quite different than in London. Um, like here, I try to do something similar to, to the last dish that I talked about because it's quite easy, uh, fulfilling. It has everything that you need in it. Um, but you don't spend so much time with your food connecting with it, whereas the rhythm over there, it's all around food, and you have to actually sit down and um, appreciate it more. Three delicious, delicious dishes that are making me really want to cook them all. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> where are we going next? Uh, the next dish is um, something that I think I haven't seen outside of Syria. Um, we call it Yabra Sfiyami um, uh, or Yalanji. Yalanji came uh, or comes from the Turkish language that means uh, liar. Um, so Yabra, I'm sure you know it, it's like stuffed vine leaves, but usually it is with uh, meat and rice. Uh, this is a liar kind of yabra because you do not add any uh, meat to it. It's, it's a dish that oh. most Christians make. Uh, I think there is a, a, a period where they fast and they don't eat any animal uh, product. And I remember it because of the fasting period where uh, lots of people would get together, uh, especially to make this, because it's either made with vine leaves or with charred leaves. Uh, my, my personal ref preference is basically charred leaves because it has this bitter kind of taste. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically you start by preparing the, the vine or the chard, uh, you boil them for, you actually you, you blanch them for like a couple of minutes and put them in cold, um, ice cold water, leave them to the side. Of course, in my mom's house, it was always from the vineyard, so a vineyard, so she would have fresh white uh, leaves. Um, once this is done for the stuffing, it's basically parsley, onion, garlic, tomato paste, uh, rice and uh, you soak chickpea and you crack it or maybe you can actually do it in a, a food processor it becomes like cracked it's, uh, well, yeah, it's like a, a gritty kind of it's yeah a, mm -hmm. you mix it all together with uh, pomegranate sauce my husband is a really great cook he does the majority of the cooking in his household and he absolutely loves pomegranate molasses like one of his staple ingredients. When I buy uh, uh, molasses here or pomegranate molasses, it's quite thin in comparison to the one that we get in Syria. So basically you just add maybe for a huge pot, one tablespoon. Uh, but here you need like... You literally like whole bottle. <laughs> you the whole bottle's the going thing. <laughs> um, So you mix all of this together. And the memory that comes with this, basically my mom inviting us or inviting whoever is coming for lunch to sit down uh, the stuffing is ready, the leaves are ready. 
uh, you start trolling the, the uh, vine leaves um, and lots of conversations again with vine. Of course, and I'm guessing that's almost like a conveyor belt. Yeah. There's a lot of work goes into those vine leaves and also the way that they're folded, like... There's a real art form to that. There's a, there's a rhythm. <laughs> uh, once, once you start doing like the first and the second, and then of course with a few tips, uh, you get in the in the rhythm of it, um, and it becomes quite easy. But the first, let's say, few times, uh, it's it's difficult to get it. Did you learn all of your cooking from your mom? Yes, it was never like with instructions. She would just give you stuff. Um, let's say if you're chopping, if we're making tabbouleh, for instance. Uh, you need to chop everything super fine. Oh my goodness, tabbouleh. She would put it in front of you. If it's not to her taste or satisfaction, she would say, can you make it a bit smaller? Uh, but she would just le let you uh, do whatever you want to do and she will give some more instructions you as you go. Exactly. It's the best way to learn. Yeah. I find it fascinating that every dish has come from your mum. All my memories around food are from my mum. I have my own memories when I recreated back in, in Turkey, for instance, when I used to invite lots of people, or the memories that I have here in London um, when I cook or try to recreate the nights that I had with my mum. So, and I think for all the efforts and the years that she's put towards growing the food and um, giving us the life that we've, we've had, I think it's quite important for it, me to talk about the memories that I've had with her around food. It's amazing. Food. I love it. I, I just, I love the fact that she's just given you such a beautiful love affair with food, really. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful for this. Oh, I just wish I could go and spend a week in her house. <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, and every time she talks with any of my friends, I'm, I'm still in contact with them. And of course, the relationship is not exactly the same as before. I haven't seen them in more than 10 years. Um, and I always worry if I ever get to see them. They refuse to leave the country. So Do I'm you talk sure. on video calls? Video calls. Yeah. Uh, so, with, like, I live now with my queer family here, and every time we call, uh, she talks with them, and she tells them, like, I did this, and I made that dish, or it's always uh, her telling them that, please come and visit. Uh, she doesn't want to get out of the country. Who do you live with at the moment, then? My very, very good friend, I think the love of my life, their name is Mine. Um, so did they make you move to east? Um, was there a conversation about actually, west I, or east? Or were you... I wasn't happy in the, in the west to start with and all of my friends were in the east. I just love the vibrancy of East London and the community. The, the thing that made us decide on the, on the place that we are living in now um, is the neighbour. When we started looking at properties, um, the neighbour uh, was sitting outside uh, smoking, and there were lots of people around them as well. So she asked us, what are your names? I was like, oh my God, a person is actually talking to us. And I said, I'm George, this is Mine. Um, how do we address you? And she, of course, told us the names of the people that were around her, and she's, uh, she said her name was Divine. And when she said her name is Divine, I said, this is incredible. We went inside, we went out, and she just said to us, have a lovely day, my love. Uh, I said, I, we, couldn't, we couldn't go anywhere else. You're this like, is, this, this is, the is place. our home. We are going to be here. <laughs> and they are incredible cooks. 
all of them. Uh, she lives there with her, uh, with her family, uh, Jamaican heritage. Uh, they invited us to their place a couple of times. Of course, it was difficult for me to eat. Of course. It was all meat. Uh, but they made some uh, dishes that were vegan for me. They, it's, it's incredible. That's really sweet. So how did you end up in London? Um, uh, originally, I'm Syrian. Yeah. Um, when the war started, I had to move to Turkey. Um, I had to leave very, very quick in the middle of the night. While I was living in Turkey, my safety as a queer person was not something that was prioritized uh, by the, the ruling party or the government or even the police. Um, there was a situation that was made public, a homophobic attack. I was contacted by the UN uh, to tell me about a program that's called the Resettlement uh, Program. Um, and they said that the UK has a quota of 20,000 Syrians to resettle before 2020. And I was one of the last people that were resettled. Uh, this program offers people who are not safe in a displaced country. And how long did that take? It took uh, two years since they contacted me until I got my visa and I uh, uh, took the plane and came to London. So you were waiting two years from the point that they deemed you not safe in that country. You deemed yourself not safe in that country because of what had happened to you. Unfortunately, And in, and in yes. that time, you were living in fear in Istanbul. Constant. Uh, the attack, unfortunately, happened uh, by a neighbour, uh, which oh, terrifying. lives in the same building. Leaving the house or coming back into the house was quite terrifying. Back to food. <laughs> oh, we've only got one left. What is it? Uh, the last one is also uh, um, one of my favourite dishes that's most of the time naturally vegan. Can I ask you something? Yeah. If you went back to Syria tomorrow and to your mum's house and could have all of this food, would you still be eating the vegan version or would you be eating the meat version? I think it would be the vegan version. Yeah. yeah. I'm just fascinated because obviously you know where all the meat comes from there. Yeah. And... Um, I think now, subconsciously, I feel I cannot, I cannot eat it. Like, there's something... Even if I'm dating someone and I see them eating meat, if we go out for dinner, I cannot even kiss them. And I, how I long have you been point. vegan for? Uh, now four years, since I came to London. Okay, four years. But yeah. I was vegetarian before. Okay. This dish is either vegan. The, the version that my mum makes, it's always vegan. Oh. But you can also, yeah, because it's, it's basically whatever you have left uh, from uh, vegetables in the fridge, you can just put them together to create this dish. And it's such a comfort dish. Um, and the, the beauty of it is basically that you layer uh, the, the flavors one after another. She starts by sautéing onions, then the potatoes. And once you add the potatoes, you add the spices. You would add the uh, seven spice that we talked about, uh, some garlic, and then you add the second layer of vegetables, which is, it could be carrots, or the ones that take longer to cook, you add them in the beginning. And you start sautéing until they get color. Then you add uh, bell peppers, 
you add corn, broccoli if you have. Does it end up being a layer, like a it's, layer? It's, you sauté them all yeah. together, yeah. they get mixed. But okay. sometimes you can sauté one uh, vegetable at a time, put them to the side and then layer them. She puts it in a, um, an oven tray uh, with uh, tomatoes um, and some other spices and some vegetable stock. Uh, she finishes them off in the oven um, until they get a crispy top and then you have it with yogurt. Oh, with yogurt? Yes. I think it's mum's homemade yogurt, isn't yes. it? <laughs> also, in your ingredients, you've got lamb and beef here. Yeah. Um, for that version, would you cook that first? Or? You, you, you start by sautéing yeah. the, the onion and then the meat with the spices, whichever meat that you have. Um, and then you add the vegetables one layer at a time. And then, again, you finish it off in the oven and with the, tomato sauce. The dish is called? Um, kawaj. Have they still got the farm? Yes. Does your mum still do the back and forth? Um, in the summer, they go to the countryside because it's on top of a mountain uh, and it's a bit breezy. In winter, they go to the city because it's a bit warmer. And is the city Damascus? Damascus, yes. I want to go and cook with your mum. <laughs> or help your dad harvest them with the I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on, on a call, You'll phone be on call video with you. <laughs> You'll be telling me this then. Do your parents both speak English as well? Yes. Yeah. Great, great. So I won't need an interpreter. You won't need me, no. <laughs> I'm literally like, take me to mum's house. I don't think a day would be enough in your mum's house. I think um, I'd want to be there for like a week. I think so, yes. I mean, she has lots of stories and also... I want to literally just sit at the table with a knife in my hand, being told to chop tabbouleh or onions <laughs> and a glass of wine. Uh, Sounds like heaven. Happiest, but before she asks, actually asks you to do anything, she will have to introduce you to all the fruits and the vegetables and the plants that she has in the garden. Even better. Um, so you would have to have the tour uh, where she tells you like how many trees uh, she has over there for olive, peaches or the apricot. And then she will show you the other parts where she has the uh, roses. She makes her own rose water oh, and rose uh, oh, jam. Uh, um, I love rose jam. It's like one of my favourite things. I, I got introduced it to on my French exchange when I was 14 years old. Mm. Um, they had rose jam and I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> if you ever decide to go to Syria um, and if you get to meet my mum, uh, she makes her rose jam with champagne. <gasps> My jaws just hit the table. <laughs> Rose jam with jam. I mean, that is just the perfect combination. Yeah. Two things that I absolutely love. And I usually hate champagne, to be honest. Oh, but really? I love it in jam, yeah. <sighs> this has been absolutely <laughs> delightful. I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And I just want to kick. <laughs> what an absolutely beautiful journey through your family home, essentially. Yeah. Where you grew up, all of the foods that you grew up with. Can you ever imagine a time that you would get to go back? No. No. Um, I don't think physically or mentally I am in a space that I would go back. And the way that I left, it was life-threatening. And as a queer person, I don't see myself going back or even visiting the Middle East. But your memories you bring with you. Food will take me back. Uh, which happened, like I said, when I, when I told you about this, Luchia. Uh, uh, yeah. It literally took me back. Um, yeah, I, I speak with my parents I, uh, often, um, but I think I need to prioritise my safety. I completely agree. But the food, I'm coming round to your house at some point. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Cooking up a Syrian beast. Anytime. <laughs>
Sharing Plate is a Wattsware Media production and is presented by Lara Bishop. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to Sharing Plates, please help us out. Like it, follow us, share it and tell a friend.